Hello and welcome to Front Page Radio with your host, international author, broadcaster, and journalist Dan Wooding, the founder of Assist Ministries and the Assist News Service. Dan, who was born in Nigeria of British missionary parents, was raised in England and later worked for some of Great Britain's largest newspapers. He has been a journalist covering the world for some 47 years now with a focus on persecuted Christians and missions. And now, here's Dan Wooding with today's guest. Welcome to today's program. I'm at Angel Stadium in Anaheim, California, with Greg Laurie, who has just spoken to a gathering of pastors and Christian leaders about his upcoming SoCal Harvest Crusade to be held here near the end of August, and I'm joined by my colleague Mark Ellis. I began by asking Greg how the Harvest Crusades first began. Well, the Harvest Crusades began really... Uh, with a vision from Pastor Chuck Smith, who is in heaven now. But I was doing the Monday night Bible study at his church, Calvary Chapel, and a lot of people were coming out, and a lot of people coming to Christ every week. Actually, like 70, 80 people. Really amazing. And uh, so Chuck had this idea to take it to a larger venue, and he came to me and proposed this and said, well, I'd like to go to a larger place. And I said, well, Chuck, where were you thinking of going? He said, well, I was thinking of the Pacific Amphitheater, and I said, Chuck, that's a really big place. And he said, well, Greg, we serve a really big God. <laughs> you know, so that was our first step. And as I recall, we broke attendance records there at that particular venue because we held it over four or five nights. It was really an amazing thing. Thousands of people came out. So the next year we decided to do a few nights at the amphitheater and one night at what I believe was called Anaheim Stadium then. This venue has changed its name. Anaheim Stadium, Angel Stadium, Edison Field. We're back to Angel Stadium. So we went here one night with a huge crowd. And the next year we just came to the stadium only for three nights. And we haven't looked back since. And that sort of launched our crusade ministry around the United States and even the world. And so since that day, we've been able to bring the gospel in person to 5 million people. And we've seen 500,000 professions of faith. And that's a mind-blowing number, And but it all started right here. And uh, the event you've just had, Harvest America, how yeah. did Harvest America sort of evolve? Well, uh, John Collins, our crusade director, had a vision to take the technology that we have now and, and make a live event that people could participate in all around the country. Sort of enabled us to reach so many more people simultaneous. It's, it's as if, I, though, I went and did five or six crusades in a year in different communities, a large and small, but we were able to do it all in one day. So sort of the theme was one day, one church, one message. It's one day uh, that the event held one church. You know, we set aside our minor theological differences, and it's one message, and it's the message of the gospel. So we, this is, um, we've been doing this now for four years, and so this last one we did at AT&T Stadium was far and away the largest of the lot, with over 350,000 people attending the event. 80,000 plus were at the AT&T Stadium, and the rest were in venues around the United States, but we were able to track the numbers. So these are actual people in seats, in places. These are not guesstimates. And I'm not talking about television or radio, which is very hard to monitor exact numbers on. These are actual people that attended. If you had in radio and television, it's thousands and thousands. Uh, really, I don't know the number. How many events have you held here at, uh, in Anaheim? 
I don't know the answer to that. Well, I know I've been coming here 27 years, so we've been doing at least that many, so probably around that. One thing is just mind-blowing is your background. Um, how do you explain coming from a, such a dysfunctional family to this? <laughs> well, maybe there's more synergy to it than one would think. Uh, you know, the Bible says, to whom much is forgiven, that one loves a much more. I know what it's like to be the abandoned child. I know what it's like to be the child of divorced parents. I know what it's like to be raised in an alcoholic environment. I know what it's like to be trapped in drugs because I did all the, I experienced these things where I did these things. So I, you know, in my childhood up to the age of 17, I experienced a lot of these things. So when I get up to speak, it's someone that, well, I've been there, done that and bought the t-shirt as they say, you know, and so I understand it. But more than that, you know, I know the message that has changed my life can change other lives as well. So I still remember my roots. And, you know, there's an old saying that says if you see a, a turtle on a fence post, you know he didn't get there by himself. <laughs> and so, I mean, when you look at me here, the, clearly this is not anything a person would orchestrate. Yeah. It's never something I aspired to. My sole aspiration in life as a kid was I wanted to be a professional cartoonist. And uh, so that, that's what I was aiming toward. And my backup plan was to own a pet shop because I loved animals. <laughs> so, um, you know, so God had different plans. Yeah. So we've just been seeking to take what God opens up for us and, you know, do the best we can with every one of these events. Your mom, you, we just heard that you led her to the Lord just yeah. before she died. Tell us what happened. Well, as my aunt was sharing in our meeting today, my mother, you know, she... She was uh, married and divorced seven times that we know of. The raging alcoholic, really the classic. Uh, she was like the modern-day woman at the well, looking to men for fulfillment. And uh, as time passed, you know, her lifestyle choices took a toll on her. When she was 70, she looked like she was 90. Uh, she was getting a dialysis three times a week. Her great beauty that was once so attractive so, to so many men was now largely gone just a shell of herself and but she was a very proud woman and so she would come to these events with my aunt and comment on the crowds and you know she was sort of proud of me because i was kind of in quotes make sure you put this in quotes a celebrity <laughs> you know that's what she was proud of that her son was a celebrity but what i would say to her that that doesn't matter it's yeah. it's about jesus christ and coming to know him and what frustrated me was god had allowed me to lead people to Christ all around the country, even the world, but I couldn't lead my own mother to the Lord. And I prayed for her many, many, many times and hadn't given up hope, but I'd said everything there was to say to her. And and I knew she was ill, but I didn't know she was near death's door. And one day I was on my way to go to church and I just sensed a leading from the Holy Spirit to go engage my mom. And though I'd done this many times, I felt led to go do it again. So I said to Kathy, I'm going to go have a conversation with my mom about her soul. Pray for me. And so I got over to my mother's house, and she was alone. And so I sat down, and I said, Mom, today I want to talk to you about your soul. She said, I don't want to talk about it. That was her default statement. I don't want to talk about it. Whenever the conversation got into serious things, she would say, I don't want to talk about that. So she said that, and I said, well, today we're going to talk about it. And I wasn't going to accept no for an answer. So I pressed her, and that conversation resulted in her making a commitment to Christ or maybe a recommitment. She was a prodigal. I don't know which. All I know is she was not walking with God, and, and we saw her in church the next Sunday, which was mind-blowing for all of us. 
How was I to know that one month later she would die? And when was that? Very good question. Oh, boy. Uh, two th- I'd have to check. But I think it was 2000, uh, maybe 2002 or 2003. Yeah. yeah. Well, was there any one thing that caused the light to go on in her mind? or? Not that I know of, honestly. I, I, I can't recall anything I said that would have caused that. But it just, you know, I think that there's timing. And when we share our faith, you know, the Bible says that, you know, God's called some to sow some to reap and others to reap for others have sown and watered. And, you know, this is up to God. But but I do believe there's a moment often mm. in a person's life when it just clicks for him. Yeah. I can't make that moment happen. Only the Holy Spirit can. But I think we need to be responsive to the leading of the Spirit to be the right person at the right place mm. that the Spirit will work through. Look, God could convert people without us. He could sovereignly just speak audibly to people. But the primary way God chooses to reach people is through people. And he allowed me to have the privilege of being that person on that day in my mother's life. What's the news you have of Mr. Graham? You know, he's, was he 97 now? Yes. And I've worked with him quite a lot, but I understand that at the moment he's not very well. What do you hear? Well, I'll quote his grandson, Will, uh, who he had out speaking a while back. And he said, people ask how my granddad is doing. And then Will says, he's just old. <laughs> and he sort of says it like a Graham, old. But, and, and, you know, he's 97. And when you're 97, you know, unless you're a rare exception like a Louis Zamperini, yeah. who, had a, who I got to know at the end of his life and had amazing health and energy. Uh, most people born 97 are not as mobile as they once were. And the brain isn't always working as well as it once worked. Sure. And so forth. And so those inevitable aspects of age are kicking in. But... I, I haven't seen Billy for a while, but I'm told that his, you know, his his passion for Christ is strong, and he's looking forward to going to heaven and being with his wife again. But so he's just he's just you know living each day that the Lord gives him. I know he prays a lot for people, but you know he's not able to do the things he once did. And Pastor Chuck, how would you sum him up? Well, he, you know, Chuck was the most unusual human being I've ever met. Um, he was. He was a combination of so many things simultaneously. But I would say, I would sum him up as follows. God's man for a moment in history. You know, I was just watching the thing on television called The 60s on CNN. uh, Produced by Tom Hanks. Very, very interesting series. And they had one of the episodes was called Drug, Sex, and Rock and Roll. And it talked about just all the idealism and... And idea and all of the mythology of the 60s was kind of playing itself out. And it started off seeming almost magical to those of us that were there. But then we began to see the dark underbelly of it and where it was all really leading, which was to a horrible lifestyle of addiction and death and other things. But, um, you know, when I watched this thing in the 60s and they showed kind of the arc of how it started and how it culminated in, in just so much chaos and people's lives ruined and so forth i thought they could have put a whole nother you know 30 minutes in that program about the jesus movement that just happened right in that moment in time late 60s early 70s and you know right at the epicenter of that was chuck smith and chuck was sort of in quotes the adult in the room end quote you know there were all these young kids coming to christ but he you know was older than us old enough to be our dad and he was a stabilizing figure uh so as this revival was breaking out 
where it kind of had a lifespan that ended quickly in other areas. It continued on at Calvary Chapel and through Chuck because he gave parameters and stability that was lacking in other places. So God, and you know, Chuck used to always say, everything in life is preparation for something else. Mm. And I, Chuck had a lot of failures and setbacks as a young pastor, but God was preparing him for this moment in time when he would step in and play such a significant role in the lives of thousands of young people in the Jesus movement. I know he didn't like some of the music he had. Yeah. Did he ever tell you? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. It's funny because uh, as the Crusades progressed, the music became a little more rock or a little more whatever. <laughs> he, did, he didn't always like it. I know that. But, you know, Chuck kind of um, stepped outside of his, his uh, comfort, zone. Yeah, comfort zone and allowed bands to play when he was there pastoring. And, uh, and, and so there was a lot of expression there. And, and now, now fast forward. And so I'm 63. And I'll be honest with you. I don't like all the music we have. Uh, now, I like the people. And I like their message. But I'm not necessarily a fan of all the musical genres. And I'm not going to say who or what. But uh, what I'm going to say is I see it connects to young people. So this isn't about what a 63-year-old man likes musically. This is about what is going to be the best bridge that I can walk over to reach an, another generation of young people. You know, when Billy Graham was coming toward the end of his ministry, they started the Youth Nights Up, and they were using bands that were very popular then, like DC Talk and others. Yeah. And it was very progressive for the day, especially for Graham's Crusades. But these stadiums would be filled, and the young people would be so receptive as he would come and bring the message, you know, so... I I once asked Mr. Graham about DC Talk, and uh, I said to him, when they came on stage on Cleveland, I think the first time, what did you think, you know? And he said, don't know. He said, I turned my hearing aid on off as soon as they came on. Yeah, that's right. You know, so... but, But here's the beauty of it. For people like Chuck and Billy... They, they overcame their cultural uh, preferences and understood that culture changes and you want to continue to reach each new generation. Yeah. But then they have that message to give. And see, now I'm that guy. Yeah. And I'm getting older. But I don't want to be saying, oh, no, I won't use that music. I mean, if that music honors the Lord, if it has lyrics that are Christ-centered or point to Jesus Christ, why would I not want to use it? Yeah. Do people what? ever tell you that you something about your speaking style or manner reminds them yeah. of Pastor Chuck? Yeah, I've heard that before. Well, I think when you've been listening to somebody for, you know, 30 years yeah. or 40 years, you're, you're going to pick up a few things. Well, you, you have a great impersonation. I would you could give it to us. Okay. Well, you know, Dan, such a joy to be with you today. And I often think of all the times we spent together, you know. <laughs> uh, did he ever get upset with you when you would do this? No, I think it always amused him. He would just, I, I think it was, uh, he would just sort of smile. He, he didn't laugh out loud, but I think I, I think he realized I got it pretty close. But I didn't do it all that often around yeah, him. Yeah. And, and your singing friend used to do Mr. Graham, didn't he? Yes. And we called Franklin and play jokes on him. Were you ever around when he did that? Pretending he was Mr. Graham calling his son. Listen, it's even worse. I had, I was at a Billy Graham board meeting. I've been on his board for 20 years. And we were in the board meeting. And afterwards, I said to Mr. Graham, if there's anything I can do to help you with your message, just give me a call. And that was, that sounds presumptuous, but he had actually asked me to help him at that time. So I'd been helping him previously. So I was just saying, you're upcoming crusade. If you need any help, call me. And he said, okay. 
And uh, so I went to my room. It's around 11 o'clock. I'm watching TV. I'm in West Coast time, so I'm up still. And the phone rings, and I pick it up. The voice says, hello, this is Billy Graham. Well, I knew it wasn't Billy Graham calling me at 11. I knew it was my friend, Dennis Agajanian, playing a joke. And so I said, knowing it says, I said, yeah, what do you want, Billy? And he said, well, I just need a little bit of help. I said, yeah, whatever. I know it's Dennis. And he says, well, I remembered you offered to help me. And then I realized this was not Dennis. This actually was Billy Graham. And I was blowing him oh, off. Oh, no. So I quickly, oh, uh, yes, Billy, excuse me. Uh, how can I help you? So that was an awkward moment. And, and it really was Mr. Graham. It was Billy Graham. Wow, wow. <laughs> yes. I know you've had times with vertigo here. Yeah. How, how have you got around that? I listened to the U2 song and it went away. Remember the U2 song, yeah. Vertigo? No. Uh, no, it, um, I had it one year. Yes, I did. And it was the weirdest thing. I, I mean, for those that have had it, it's literally like the room is spinning. And all, everybody has their homegrown remedies, none of which worked. And, and I literally, I walked out there and I had to literally hold the pulpit because I felt like I could fall off the stage. But uh, it was really strong going out to the stage. But once I got up to speak, I was okay. Did you just hang on? I, I literally hung on to the pulpit. And, and the whole time, I don't think I ever let go. And, and it was okay. And afterwards, it flared up again. But then it just eventually went away. It's the strangest thing. What's the hardest time, the, the, the crusade meetings after your son passed away? Yeah, by a long, long shot. Because didn't you use his design for a lot of the crusades? Yes. Yeah, he was doing the design for crusades for... Uh, about the three years leading into 2008 when he uh, went to be with the Lord. And so I was surrounded by his design uh, on everywhere, here in the screens and the bumper stickers. And I found that strangely comforting. I felt like we had worked on something together, and we had. But, um, you know, many people wondered, because the crusade was only a few weeks after he had died, if I would still make the crusade, to me it was never a question. Mm. If I would, I mean, to me it was almost like, well, of course I will. It's almost as though this is the greatest tribute I could pay to him is to call people to Christ. And right. so that was never in question. But to be honest, it was very hard. Are you over it or do you ever get over this, something like that? I don't think you ever get over the death of a child, no. Yeah. And you get through it and, and it becomes easier in quotes but still hard in a, in a, its own way. So, you know, it's still something that affects me and influences me in decisions I make and risks I take now for reaching out like Harvest America. I, I don't know if I would have done something so daring. Mm. Be, but I think after something like that happens, you realize you've been almost to the lowest you can go. I suppose you could go lower, but, you know, and you realize, wow, you know, so what if I try this thing and it doesn't succeed? It's not going to be as bad as what I've gone through, so why not try it? Sure. You know, why not take a risk? And so it's influenced me in a lot of decisions I've made, but at the same time, you know, we miss him so. When Pastor Rick Warren lost his son in worse circumstances, you were one of the first to jump forward. Yeah. What happened? How, did you just pick up the phone or what? Yeah, well, I, of course, heard about it and... I called Rick and we talked on the phone and then I offered to speak for him. It's not that I'm looking for speaking engagements, but it's more of a thing of um, I understood in a sense what he was going through and I also understood what his congregation was going through. So that was more my approach. Like, Rick, 
Your church is mourning as well as you and your wife. Let me speak to your church and help them mourn and even help them know how to pray for you as you are going through this with your wife, Kay. So uh, I did speak very closely after Matthew died and I, I, I heard it helped, so I hope it did. Did you ever meet Matthew? Not that I recall, no. No, no. He seemed. I've met him a couple of times. Yeah. Seems a very sweet sort of guy. Yes, I heard. How can people pray for you for this particular crusade and just personally? Well, thank you for asking. Um, I, you know, just pray that God gives strength. Uh, you know, I, I think we. Paul said, "Pray that boldness would be given to me as I bring forth the gospel." I think we want to pray for boldness, strength, protection, and uh, in wisdom. And knowing what opportunities to say yes to and what to say no to. And and to do just what the Lord would want. And that we would bring glory to his name. Because when it's all said and done, that's why he put us here on this earth. And what do you want pastors listening to this to do? You know, you have this special event here. Yeah. What would you like them to do? Well, as far as their participation in the event, I'd like them to go to our website. Uh, and they can go to uh, harvest.org and there's a little tab you can click that says Crusades and it tells you all about this event and other events. We have a crusade coming up later this year uh, that we're going to be doing in Atlanta, Georgia. Then next year we're going to go to Phoenix, Arizona. So they can be in the loop on other events that we're doing and the one we're going to do in Phoenix will probably be a Harvest America event so they could participate across the United States. And uh, what about um, here? You hope to just keep continuing until you drop? Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I want to continue as long as I can be productive and effective. I, you know, I, I, I don't want to uh, go past that time. But at the same time, God has really wired me to do this. Mm. And, you know, I was talking about Chuck being prepared for what God called him to do. And God prepared me for what he called me to do as he prepares all of us. So I want to keep doing this as long as I can. Do it effectively. When I first moved to America, Billy Graham had his big crusade here with yeah. Johnny Cash. Did you attend that? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. I, I attended many of his crusades. In fact, from the 70s on, I attended many of them. And, and probably from about right 1988 or so, I went to every crusade he did up until he was done. So I went to many. Because I would work with Larry Ross doing the yeah. media stuff. Yeah. And it was always very funny because Mr. Graham, they always said, you've got to call him Mr. Graham and yeah. tell him who you are. Yeah. And he would get mad. Hi, Mr. Graham, I'm Dan Woody. I know who you are. <laughs> and, and, you know, you would tell him something. <laughs> But he'd get mad, and then he'd yeah. say, well, lovely to see you again, Tom. Yes. <laughs> and, and Larry Ross, who I think you know, had said, uh, you know, well, you've obviously made a big impression on Billy Graham. Yes. Can't even remember your name. <laughs> yeah, you know? that's right. That's right. I would call him Mr. Graham, too, and he'd say, call me Billy. <laughs> and I'd say, okay, well, Mr. Graham, what I was thinking, I, could, <laughs> I, I did call him Billy, but it, it always felt a little awkward to call a, a man like that yeah, by his first yeah. name. You know? w would you feel, in a way, you're following in his footsteps with your style? Well, I would say no one has influenced me more in evangelism than Billy Graham. You know, it's, there's no question that he, he, he's sort of the gold standard of evangelism. And his template is one that I follow in my way, sort of my interpretation of it, if you will. But it, it very much is very similar to what he did. Yeah. So I would say without question, he's been my greatest influence. You know, I don't think anyone will ever take his place. I think there's, you know, God calls certain people to touch a generation like uh, D.L. Moody or Billy Sunday or Billy Graham. 
but I'm certainly influenced by him and and you know continue to be impacted by the minute the example he left the most important question when are you going to go to the UK I'd love to go to the UK someday I really would and I think if the right opportunity came together and we could get some churches together it, it would be something I've always wanted to do I love the I love England and I, I've been to New Zealand and Australia, which is as close as I've gotten to, you know, they're part of the Commonwealth, but it's not England. And I'd like to go actually to London, but I would go anywhere in England happily. And how do people find out if, if someone's listening to this in the UK, yeah. they just contact your office? Yeah, that'd be it. Just contact our office. We'd yeah. be very open. And will you change your accent then? Yes, I'd speak like I'm a Beatle. <laughs> I would just see like I've got a Liverpoolian accent, <laughs> and this is the way we say it. And if you don't like it, it's too bad. We're from the north, you know. It's it's all it's the, it's all lingo and it's fab and it's gear. So I just speak like a Beatle. So, ma- so maybe you should start it in Liverpool. Yes. And then that's where my folks are from. That's right, Liverpoolian is yeah. what we say there. But last year I went to um, Strawberry Field. Oh. Strawberry Field is a charismatic Salvation Army prayer center and at the side of it is um, where John Lennon used to live and John used to climb over and tell the kids it was an orphanage one day I'm gonna have my own band which he did and I asked the leader of the of the the ministry there would you ever allow John Lennon to sing at your worship services and he said well we wouldn't let him sing Imagine (laughs) but we'd let him sing Strawberry Fields forever but we'll be speaking with the one and only Greg Laurie Greg thank you so much thank you Dan my pleasure you have been listening to Front Page Radio with international journalist Dan Wooding if you would like a free subscription to the Assist News Service log on to www.assistnews.net And if you would like to write to Dan, send an email to assistnews at AOL.com. Tune in again for another edition of Front Page Radio on this same station.